In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. A few years ago, when I was in divinity school at Trinity College, a college aesthetically and educationally superior to any other Anglican colleges on that same street that Father Stephen may have attended. <laughs> I'm sorry, Father Stephen, but I had to get you back for last week. <laughs> anyway, one day, I was on a train heading into class when I heard the sound of someone's voice even through my headphones. It was a young woman talking on her cell phone. Now, I do my best not to make a habit of eavesdropping on strangers, but when someone is yelling so loudly that the entire train compartment can hear, well, that rather makes the conversation public. I suppose it's the price we pay for the convenience of carrying our phones around with us. It means that we are potentially always at someone's beck and call. And it means that we are often privy to all manner of conversations which are probably none of our business. Since I literally couldn't hear the music coming through my headphones anyway, I chose to listen to this unexpected, dubious form of entertainment. And what I could determine was this. The young woman was having an argument with her mother. It was also plainly not the first argument that they had had on the subject. Consequently, the young woman was very, very angry and very, very loud. Just before I reached my destination, the young woman finally mercifully hung up and the entire train compartment breathed a sigh of relief only to tense up again when she dialed another number and proceeded to tell whoever was on the other end that she just had a big fight with her mother and began to relate what the fight had been about. Unfortunately for my curiosity, but fortunately perhaps for my eardrums, I got off the train at this point never to find out what it was that the young woman's mother had said. I dare say at this point, most of us have had an experience like that in public. I myself have heard everything from arguments, calls detailing someone's ETA, food orders, inquiries to the list maker back home, what a suitable alternative the caller might pick up at the grocery store, messages of affection. All of these little one-sided conversations. And if you're curious, like me, or just plain nosy, you might speculate about the other half of the phone call, the person on the other end of the line. Well, the epistles that we so often hear in church are like those phone calls, one-sided public conversations. We hear, in this case, one side of the correspondence written by St. Paul or another author to Christian communities throughout the Roman Empire. And then biblical scholars, preachers, and you yourselves have to guess what the other half of the conversation was about. The people whose own letters, inquiries, or everyday experiences inspired these letters, filled with advice and encouragement, which still speak to us today. Our lectionary, which dictates what readings we use in church, can often jump around from book to book, gospel to gospel, 
epistle to epistle. Other times, there will be a long run of readings from the same part of scripture. When that happens, it can be a lot of fun for a preacher because it gives us the opportunity to really dig into the meat of a book or a gospel, to talk about stories or themes which we can find there. It just so happens that for the next six weeks, our lectionary has given us readings from the same epistle. So, we are going to make the most of it here at St. Paul's and focus a little more on the letter to the Ephesians. This beginning part of the letter, Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 to 14, talks about the spiritual blessings given to Christians through the gospel. It uses the image of Christians as the children of God who have inherited redemption through the saving work of Christ. In the next section, verses 15 to 23, which aren't included in our little six-week run, perhaps we have heard them many other times in the Christian year, the letter continues saying, I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints. And for this reason, I do not cease to give thanks for you as I remember you in my prayers. I pray that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation as you come to know him, so that with the eyes of your heart enlightened, you may know what is the hope to which he has called you. What are the riches of his glorious inheritance among the saints? And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power for us who believe, according to the working of his great power? God put this power to work in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the age to come. And he has put all things under his feet and has made him the head over all things for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Sounds a bit familiar? And there's that theme of inheritance again. It's a chapter full of enthusiasm and support. And it's not just the words themselves which are energized. In the original Greek, that whole section, verses 3 to 23, are only two sentences. In English, the translators have added commas and periods to break things up. But I'm a little sorry they did. I love the idea of this chapter being read with the breathless joy of someone who recognizes their own salvation and their own mission in the world. The letter to the Ephesians will go on to discuss many other topics, from challenges in life to spiritual gifts to being armored against the difficulties and temptations of life. But more on that in the weeks to come. Stay tuned. Fun fact. On this day in 1924, Eric Little 
the Chinese-born son of Scottish missionaries competed in the 400-meter event at the Summer Olympics in Paris. The 400 meters wasn't even Little's best event. That would be the 100 meters. But the heat for the 100 meters was being held on a Sunday, and Little refused to compete on the Lord's Day. There was a general bafflement about the steadfast morality of his, but Little quietly put in the time to train for the 400 meters, which was no small task for a sprinter like him. On July 11th, 1924, Eric Little won the gold medal and set a European record which would hold for 12 years. His speed, his determination, and above all, his integrity would all be portrayed in the Oscar-winning film Chariots of Fire, one of my favorite movies. Eric Little once said, we are all missionaries. Wherever we go, we either bring people nearer to Christ or we repel them from Christ. In the upcoming weeks, let us listen to the advice from the letter to the Ephesians, to the ways in which we can best be missionaries in the world, not by forcing or alienating or taking from others, but by working with them, listening to them, and fulfilling the pledge of our inheritance toward redemption as God's own people. Amen. <laughs>